Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and I certainly hope I don't become it today, because that is the topic we're going to discuss with Dr. Glenn Pickering. We've all played that childhood game, that version of tag. Okay, as a kid, that game is so fun. Right. The goal is to not be it. Right. So, but the adult version is not fun at all. No. And you're going to struggle with loneliness and create distance in your relationships if you play tag. So once you figure out that you're in a tag environment and you can expose yourself doing it, you're going to be much better off. Now, Glenn's written a whole book on it called Playing Tag, the world's most common game. He wrote it with his wife, Gwen, and we've got five copies of this great little book to give out today. And also you can go to glennpickering.com, which is his website, And he's got, um, under the media tab, he has printed out the uh, notes for today. So if you are listening uh, on the podcast and you've got some time and your computer's open and the printer, you can can just go look at it online. It's under the media section at glennpickering.com. It's uh, dated August 23rd, 2020, although I know Glenn meant 2021. But that's Glenn, you know. Oh, that's right. And it's called Tag of Return to the Basic. Glenn, welcome back. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I love being on this show with Thanks. you guys. Thank you so much. So obviously the uh, grown-up version of Tag is no good. <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk about the, the, the goal is not to be it. Explain that. Right. Well, you know, if you have a little kid running around in the backyard playing Tag, you get it. The goal is to not be it. It's weird. There's no way to win. You're literally not trying to accomplish anything. You're just trying not to be the one that's it. Now, in a grown-up version of that same game, which I call Tag with all capitals, just to sort of differentiate it from the kid game, the goal is the same. And we have literally been playing this game since the beginning of time. And I don't say that lightly. I, uh, you read the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. And they eat the apple. Adam then hides from God behind a tree, which always makes me laugh. <laughs> makes me laugh, too. God's not going to find you if yeah. you're behind a tree. <laughs> <laughs> the God who created that tree, <laughs> who knows where every hair in your head is. All right, so, but anyway, so God then says to Adam, why did you eat the apple? And he says, well, you know, the woman that you gave me. So, you know, it could be her fault or it could be your fault, God, but the one thing I want to be clear is it's not my fault. And the whole structure of the adult version of the game of tag is so destructive. It's all built around, it's not my fault. You can't blame me. I know, I'm it's not, not my it. fault. Yep, that's right. And um, people think, well, Glenn, are you saying that's a problem in a relationship? And I say it's not only a problem in a relationship, it's the problem in a relationship. There's no struggle you guys have in a relationship, and I don't mean care if you're talking about you and your kid, you and your colleague, you and your partner, it doesn't matter. You have problems with that person, I promise, it's because you're playing this really, literally ancient game of tag where you're just trying to not have anything be your fault. You don't want to be criticized, you don't want to get judged, you don't want to be the problem. You literally, just like in the kid game, you just don't want to be it. 
Mm-hmm. And once that cycle is established, you basically have the same argument over and over I know. for it's, like decades. It's crazy. It's exactly like watching two three-year-olds argue. So there's two little kids fighting. The mom comes in and says, what's wrong? And one of them says, he took my toy. Well, yeah, but only because he hit me first. Yeah, but I only did that because you took my toy. I mean, it's like, so there's no movement whatsoever to his resolution or figuring out what my part of the problem is or how we could do it better. The only conversation those two are having is whose fault is it? And that conversation never ends because it's not trying to end. There's mm-hmm. no resolution because they're not aiming at resolution. They just want to know whose fault it is. Is it a power struggle? What is it? Um, it's a fear struggle. Fear? Like, yeah. Like, it's, we're so afraid of being it, just like in the game. I mean, if somebody's chasing you, right at that moment, maybe the game is fun, but right at that moment, it's not fun. Somebody's chasing you right at that moment where you're mostly really scared that you're going to get tagged, and then you're going to be it, just like in the little kid game. And when we get tagged or in real life, so we feel like we're criticized or judged or like something's going to be our fault, we have that same feeling of panic. And that fear drives that whole wicked game. Mm-hmm. So one of the rules of the game, Glenn, yeah. as you say in your book, is we came to understand quite something ago that... In any abusive or addicted family is this. If I can prove that you're wrong, I can be as mean to you as I want to be, and it's your fault. I know. I know the whole game is about whose fault is it, with the underlying assumption then that if I can prove that it's your fault, you're the bad one, you're it, and we can deal with you harshly. Like I said to you last time I was on the show because I just walked past this couple in a little pickup truck over by um, Minnehaha Falls. And she was in the front, he was in the back trying to get out the um, baby stroller. And he said, I can't get it out, it's stuck. And she said, I'm not the one that put it there. Like, wow. Instantly goes from, I'm just describing a problem I'm having to, it's your fault. And I want you to notice, the instant she was pointing out that it's his fault, how she treated him, really harshly. Like, it's okay to be mean to somebody if something is their fault. That's why we don't want to be it, because we all believe that. That if we make a mistake or acknowledge that we did something wrong or that we were half of the problem that's going on between us, somehow that means we're going to get criticized, judged, or treated so harshly. And a fear of having that happen to us is what drives that crazy game. All right, let's talk about the same teammates, no one. I don't know what that means, Glenn. Talk yeah, that one through I, me yeah, on I that. always think, so the ultimate goal of both games is to not be it. Um, and... Um, and we have the same teammates on both, which is nobody. If you think about being a little kid playing the game, doesn't matter how many people are out there playing the game, nobody's on your team. There, right? there are no teammates. Right, there's no teammates, right. As soon as you start to play the game, well, for sure the person who's it is not on your team. Well, let's be honest, nobody else is on your team either. And you would throw them under the bus if you had to. If the person who was it came towards you, you'd be glad to put some other person between you and them. You would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. You would throw anybody under the bus to not be it yourself. And you want to stay as far away from that person as you can. And you want to stay as far away from everybody else as you can because they might become it and therefore dangerous to you. Right. And if you're afraid that you're going to become it in your relationship, you're going to find yourself avoiding the very person that you should be in a right relationship with. Exactly. So it creates this incredible distance. And I always think, and it's based on this lie that we're alone, I think... God's one enduring fundamental promise to us is I am always with you. 
And we read in Hebrews that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. We are never alone on the earthly plane or the heavenly plane. But the game of tag is based on the fear that I am alone. And that wicked lie, that's what I mean, it's a fearful thought, is what drives that whole game. It's just, but it's just, it's all based on that lie that we think we're alone. All right, Glenn, let's talk some practical application. Here are some uh, frequent attacker comments. Okay. Like, your room needs to be cleaned. It looks disgusting. Right. Now, notice this. Sometimes people say, well, Glenn, I just tell it like it is. I think, no, you don't. You tell it like it is with a really mean edge to it. So I could go to my kid and say, "Hun, I know I keep talking to you about this, but your room is really messy. I wonder, what do you think we should do? I could just name what's happening, and we could talk about what the solution looks like. Or I could say, you're a bad kid. You're awful. How many times have I got to tell you? And the only thing that kid walks away with is not, oh, now I'm really motivated to clean my room. Oh, my mom and dad is right. The only thing they walk away with is they think they're a really bad person. There's something fundamentally wrong with them. And guess what Adam and Eve thought? that there was something fundamentally wrong with them. That's why they had to eat the apple, because there was something wrong with them. The serpent convinced them that even though God says they're perfect and precious in his sight, as they are, the serpent convinced them, no, there's something really wrong with you, and you should try and hide that so nobody notices. Well, see, when we talk to our kids in that really shameful sort of way that makes them feel bad about who they are, we're not doing God's work. (laughs) We're on the wrong team. Mm -hmm. Here's another one, Glenn. Yeah. You're still not ready? So the fact would be, if we don't leave soon, we're going to be late. Right. But the intimate, relational thing would say, I'm starting to feel a little anxious. I'm starting to feel a little anxious. I just tell you what's happening to myself. I don't, right. I'm not mean to be you. I don't say anything harsh. I just tell you, I'm starting to get anxious. I think we're going to be late. But you're okay. still not ready as tag. Yeah. But as you're, soon as, you're, you're not ready. How long am I going to tell you? How many times? When am I going to get there? In other words, you're bad. There's something wrong with you. And now I get to treat you really mean because I just proved that you're wrong. And, mm-hmm. I thought, and I'm right to treat you this badly. And it's like, no. It is never right to treat God's children that badly, ever. So if we look at adult-to-adult adult forms of attack, right. if you cared about me, you would have... right. In other words, you should have been able to read my mind, know what I need, and you should have done the right thing. But because you didn't, that means you're wrong, and now I get again, I get to treat you really mean about it. It's like, wow, it's just so, so not right. Mm-hmm. And it just leads always to division. I just think, even the simplest thing like coming home, let's say one person is home and the other person comes home. One who gets there, when they come in the door, could be greeted with, you're late again. The kids need to do blah, blah, I mean, this thing happened wrong in my day. Why weren't you there? Or, you know, we could start that conversation by saying, hey, hon, it's good to have you home. I'm glad to see you. Now, one of those will lead to a really certain kind of conversation, and the other one will lead to a different kind of conversation. One of us will lead us to be more connected. One of us instantly starts to disconnect. And it's important to understand that every relationship, we're doing one of those two things at any moment. We're choosing to be more connected or more disconnected. And the tag game is all about being more disconnected. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Dr. Glenn Pickering today about playing tag, the world's most common game. We've got five copies of this book to give out. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. You can also go to his website, glennpickering.com. Under the media tab, you can uh, get a copy of the notes we're working off today. It's called Tag, a return to the basics. We'll be right back in 90 seconds.
When you play the game of tag, you don't look for what people do right and praise them. Instead, you wait for them to do something wrong and criticize them. Yikes. <laughs> Ouch. I know. It says right in Philippians 4, 8, whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever is worthy of praise, think about these things. And mm-hmm. if we have a relationship that we're right in, whether I'm a good boss, a good friend, a loving spouse, I'm always looking for what I call the 90%, what they do right. But see, if we play tag, we're not looking for that. We're looking for what they do wrong or whatever mistake they made. Because remember, the whole goal is to not be it. And the best way to prove that I'm not it is to prove that you are. Yeah, that's Dr. Glenn Pickering. Oh, man. He's written a book on the game of tag, adult tag, that is, playing tag, the world's most common game. We've got five copies to give out. All you have to do is text the word book to 877-933-2484. Let's talk about some of the strategies of tag, Glenn. Great, thanks. I always think it's just like the little kid game, you know, that... um. There's two main th- ways that little kids play the game. They're, they're these passive strategies, all the things you do to not get tagged in the first place, you know, so you stay as far as you can from the person who's it, try and stay away from everybody else, too, because they could become it. You run like crazy if they get close to you. You hide behind things so people won't notice you. All kinds of things you do to not be it in the first place. I call that passive because you're not actively trying to make anybody else it. You're just trying not to ever get to be it yourself. But then... The game, your strategy shifts. If you do get tagged, then suddenly you operate a whole different way. You're running like crazy at the people who are closest to you, or you pick on whoever you think is the slowest person, because <laughs> it's kind of a mean game, because there's nobody on your team except you. And your goal is to tag them as loud and as hard as you can, yell out, not it, so everybody knows you're back to not being it, and then run like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. So you're always either using the passive strategies to not be it in the first place, or the active ones that actively make somebody else it. So... I see the same thing in adult relationships. There's a couple of different ways we have of playing what I call passive tag, the things you don't do in order to not be it in the first place. And the first one I call absent tag. It's just about being gone. So, you know, I might be real busy. I might have a lot of friends. I might be real busy down in church. I might be a workaholic. There are lots of ways to be absent. I, uh, or even if I'm at home, but I'm always working on the computer. Just another way to be not here. Because one way I can't be it is if I'm just not here. Right. You're safe. I know, it's safe. In the most dangerous place you'll ever be. Exactly, which is, is that all alone. All alone. Guess right. where you're the easiest to pick off, right. honest to goodness. All right, frozen tag, that one makes, that's, that's, a, that's a big one. Okay, let me just talk about the other one just for one okay. minute longer because it's so yeah, personal please. to me. So we could be gone by not being there or being real busy, or we could do what I did a lot of my growing up time, which is called dissociation. That's where your body is there, but you are literally shut down. Like you're almost like you're watching something happen from a distance. You know, I've talked on the show before about that. I'm autistic, so the world was very confusing for me and seemed very weird and frightening. And uh, let's just say I didn't get a lot of encouragement for thinking otherwise. And so I think I spent a lot of my early years dissociated. Like I was physically present, but as emotionally, it's like so removed. That's like watching it happen. And I have a hard time remembering a lot of my childhood. And I think because I wasn't there, <laughs> I literally just wasn't present. All right. So, yes. So, frozen tag. Yeah, I, I want to talk about frozen tag because if you want to not be it, put yourself in a place where you can't be tagged. Exactly. Yeah. And that is not building a strong, right relationship. No, it's building, it's literally creating distance. Remember I said a second ago, I was either connecting to God and to other people or distancing, our, distancing ourselves from God and other people. And Glenn, I see this all the time where people say, you know, I haven't, I haven't spoken to my, my brother in three years. I haven't seen my sister in six years. Right. It's like, 
really, you have right. no contact. Right, exactly. You are playing frozen tag. Exactly. How is resolution ever going to happen? How is Never. forgiveness ever going to yeah, happen? I don't know. It's like, I mean, it's not even on the table. It's not even possible. They, they become more desensitized. Exactly. I don't need for it to happen. Right, exactly. And I even start rationalizing harder and harder in the back of my head why it's okay that I'm not reaching out. I, uh, one of my earlier books called Being a Gentle Man, I wrote something like, the, the more um, time I spend defending something in my head, the more sure I can be I probably did something wrong. <laughs> Because if I did it right, I wouldn't be defending it. I would just move on. Mm-hmm. Glenn, there's a part of your book that I, I've always liked, and it's line number four. It's selfish to ask for what I want. Oh, I know. That's so powerful and so unbiblical. I, um, so Jesus tells so many parables, but one of me tells about the parable with the mustard seed. Everybody, talks, everybody wants to quote the story where he talks about it starts off real small, becomes this big bush. But nobody wants to quote the rest of the story, which I don't know why, because the story doesn't actually stop there. And Jesus said it becomes this great bush so that even the birds of the field can make nests in its branches. See, if we really embrace our calling, do that which we're really called to do, which we're passionately in love with doing, it won't just bless us. It will bless us and everybody around us. Everything we call ministry means I have found a way to use my gifts in a way that brings me gratefulness and healing to other people. And so I just think, just think, hey, asking for what I want is selfish. I think you really don't get it. The things that God has put on your heart that are really, really desirable to you are the things that if you do them will bless everybody in your life. It's your way to be a channel. So, Yeah. Glenn, how do people stop having the same useless argument over and over again? Thank you. Over years. I always know this. When there are two people who are arguing, I always know two things. I know the exact number of people who are listening, zero, <laughs> and the exact number of people actually have a good point, which is two. So here's what Gwen and I have learned. We do what I call, and I've taught so many of my clients now to do, what I call a gracious timeout. Lots of counselors tell people to take a timeout when you have a bad conversation, but here's the problem. Let's say you take a break, but you still have all that adrenaline flowing in you. You're still all self-righteous about yourself, and all you do when you quote-unquote take a break is have that same dumb conversation you're having already virtually in your head, proving to yourself over and over again about how you were right. Mm-hmm. Once again, you're still doing the same thing where you're proving your point that you're right while not listening. So when I came to understand this, a timeout is only helpful if you take that break and do two things. First, wait for the adrenaline to wear off because, well, that adrenaline is coursing through our body. We don't think very well. Second, as soon as the adrenaline wears off, I have to come back ready to tell Gwen, here's what I think you were saying. We have to take that time with God's help to ask ourselves, okay, what was my honey saying? What was my kids saying? What was my coworker trying to tell me? So instead of coming back to that conversation, just picking up where we left off, and once again, we're both just going to make our point and nobody's going to listen, we have to come back ready to summarize the other person's point. And as soon as we do that... And I can tell Gwen got it. She can tell I got it. We don't have to prove to each other our point. We can tell the other one gets it. So now we just have to think, okay, so what should we do? How can we take the thing you said, which was a good point, and the thing I said, which was a good point, and put those together in a way that makes sense? And that will take us, honest to goodness, about 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. Let me read something from Glenn's uh, book, Playing Tag, which, by the way, I have five copies to give away. <laughs> Text the word <laughs> book you. to 877-933-2484. But here are some constructive questions that involve both of you, such as, how shall, what shall we do about this? Right. How can we be a more effective yep. team in Absolutely. the future? How could we handle this differently? Because you just, lie number five is, we just need to know whose fault it is. Right, exactly. And I always think, 
well, it's so unhelpful. So when Jesus said, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? You don't see the log in your own eye. He was just trying to say, well, there's a conflict. You could start off trying to prove that the other one is a problem, except then we don't even see what we contributed to that conversation. Of course, not helpful. Instead, we have to come back, like I say, ready to summarize what the other person's point was and then ask, okay, now how could we do that differently? And we're going to move towards a resolution, not have that same three-year-old argument over and over again about whose fault was it. Stupid. All right, Glenn, I want you to comment on something I read and memorized out of your book years ago because it's so helpful. Cool. And that's this. If I came to you and said this, Glenn, what is it about my behavior that contributes to our issues? Right. Wouldn't you be an open book? Exactly. So I could come to the other person and tell them what they're doing wrong, which is incredibly unhelpful. That's what Jesus was trying to say. That will never work. Or I could come before my brother confessing what I know to be my sin or my half of what went wrong. And if I don't know what that is, I can just come before my brother or sister and ask, hey, what did I do that was that helped sort of derail that conversation? And if I'm willing to actually hear the answer, I'm pretty darn sure I'm going to hear the answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and it's a defenseless question. Now, here's why that's so important. See, when we play tag, we think we have to defend ourselves. But see, well, I'll talk about this more in a minute, but I just want to just think about this for a second. Let's say half a dozen of us are sitting around the break room at work, and somebody walks in, notices the coffee got real low and the burner's still on, and the coffee's starting to burn, and they say, somebody left their coffee on. That's probably me. What are the first thought that goes through the mind of every one of those six people who are sitting there? That first knee-jerk thought is about why it wasn't them. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. I just got here. I mean... We instantly move into that game of, I want it to be not my fault. We are literally wired to do it because we get all defensive instead of thinking. But see, here's the thing. If we really understood how precious we were to God, that that's just not changeable, that we're amazing and perfect in ourselves. And somebody said, hey, the coffee pot, somebody left their coffee pot on. I would think, oh, that's too bad. I wouldn't have any need to defend myself. So it's just really important to understand we really see on a very, very clear way, on the smallest detail, how much we really believe what the gospel tells us about who we are. And you're putting the relationship ahead of the burnt coffee. Yes, yep. exactly. Yeah, I guess that's a good thing, huh? <laughs> All right, let me take I guess a break. Maybe it is. Yeah, Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. He's got uh, his book, Playing Tag, the world's most common game. Uh, it's a really fun game as a kid, but it's a horribly unfun game as a grown up. Five copies to give away. Go to glennpickering.com under his media tab. You can scroll down and and find tag or return to the basics. We've got an outline there. You can look online if you like. He also has got a pretty swell offer about midway down the front page of his website. He will agree to meet uh, on the phone and talk to you for 20 minutes, complimentary, Uh, no strings attached, nothing other than you get 20 minutes of his time. Um, and we'll schedule, you can schedule that, and you'll learn a lot in 20 minutes. Trust me. So, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back with our Glenn Pickering. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Hey. It's the afternoon. 
If you just joined us, we're talking about the game Tag, which is a really fun game as a kid, but it's not so fun as an adult because it is the reason that we struggle in relationships. We create distance. We enter into useless arguments because we think we need to be right, and we become critical, and then we experience anxiety. That is no fun. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. He's written this book called Playing Tag, the world's most common game. We've got five copies to give away. If you want to make sure you're in on the drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Right before the break, we were talking about some passive strategies to avoid being it ourselves. Now, Glenn, let's talk about some active strategies to make someone else it. Thank you. I love it. So there are three ways to play the game. Basically, if I'm already feeling like I'm it, the one is what I call reactionary tag or instant tag. It's our knee-jerk response to being tagged. So um, somebody says to me, you know, Glenn, I got my bill in the mail, and I think, I think it's wrong. It was sort of an edge to it. And they were literally expecting me to respond in a certain way. Well, it was right when I sent it out. What do you mean about It's like that instant defensive response, just like I was talking about in the coffee, with the coffee pot in the break room, that instant thinking, I need to protect myself, I need to not be wrong, I need to make somebody else it. So you see the same thing at work, you see it at home, you see it with kids, it doesn't matter. Um, so somebody says... Oh, we didn't get that product out on time. Well, if they'd have gotten the materials to us, we'd have, you know, it's always somebody else's fault. Instantly sort of reacting to always, as soon as we feel criticized, as soon as we feel judged, as soon as we feel like people think something was our fault, if we're not careful, we have this instant wanting to react, knee-jerk reaction, wanting to defend ourselves or explain ourselves or prove why really it was somebody else's fault. So I call that instant tag because it's yeah. like bang right now. Something just happened and bang, I get that knee-jerk response. So it's not, We're right. not looking for a solution. We're starting to just figure out who's who I it. Know. Exactly. I always think... So you're always wasting time, right? Right. In healthy relationships, healthy companies, healthy marriages, healthy families, we always think, okay, there's a problem. What should we do? But honestly, in unhealthy families or unhealthy workplaces, our only question is whose fault was it? And... And I just, you know, people talk about workplace cultures, family cultures, and I think, wait, it boils down to this. When there's a problem, do we look for a solution or do we just talk about whose fault it is? Let's talk about eggshells because that's all yes. related to this, isn't it? Exactly. So one of the passive ways to play is to walk around on eggshells. They don't want to say anything that might trigger the volcano that makes somebody mad. And I think that's just, they're just going to make me yeah, to think, get mad and I don't want to be it. So I'm just going to walk around and be real careful what I say. Maybe I don't say anything. Try to be gone a lot if I play absent tag or be real nice. Oh, sure. Fine. Okay. You know, if I'm playing frozen tag, because I just don't want to, I walk around on eggshells because I don't want to be in it. Yeah. That's just a way to not be it in the first place, right? And that's an environment based on fear. Oh, yeah. The whole thing is based on fear. It's like, uh, mm, you know, it says in First John that f- that perfect love casts out fear, but it's a wise old friend of mine once said, yeah, Glenn, but perfect fear also casts out love. And when we get caught up in fear, we're incredibly unloving. Um, a listener wants to know if being defensive is being defensive in the tag game. Yes. Say, say a little bit more about that. I don't know. That's the only question. Okay. But yes. As soon as I'm defending myself, I am playing tag because I don't need a defense. If my wife says, Glenn, the thing you just said hurt my feelings, I could defend myself or explain myself, or I could do what a smart person would do and say, oh, what happened? Or how come? Or I'm really sorry. Or I'm glad you could tell me. Or anything a smart person would say. And notice none of those things had to do with defending myself because, if I, again, if I really get how precious I am, I don't need a defense. But little kids trying to learn how to walk and they fall down, 
while they're learning, they don't think, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. They think, oh, got to try that again. Mm -hmm. Well, let's say something is said to you Mm -hmm. and you say, well, tell me more. What is it? And the response is, well, if you don't know, then I'm not going to say anything. Uh huh. In other words, they tried to make me it. I politely declined and they insisted on making me it anyway. And I'm, and if they say, well, I'm not going to tell it to you if you don't already know, I'm going to say, well, honestly, if you want to tell it to me, I'd be glad to listen. I'm just going to leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Again, because I don't have to play. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to explain anything. And it's important to understand as soon as I think, oh, I have to defend myself, I've just given them power over me. And I notice your blood pressure doesn't go up, <laughs> does it? Right. Well, I'm happy to listen if you'd like to share. Absolutely, because I really get. I am. Yeah. All right, let's talk about preemptive. I don't even know what that means again. Oh, preemptive tag. I used to call it constant tag because constant there tag, are some yeah. people who, you know, they play tag if they feel like they've been tagged and they have that instant reaction. There are some people who just play tag all the time because they have decided for themselves that the best defense is a really good offense. So, um... Somebody who plays constant tag, they can walk in the room and I say, hey, you look really sharp today. Oh, yeah, you're saying I didn't yesterday? <laughs> they can take no matter what you say and try and make you bad, try and make you defensive, try and get, make you the bad one, try and make you it, because that's just their way of not being it themselves. And so we say, oh, they're so angry, they're such an angry person, or they're so critical, blah, blah, blah. But honest to goodness, they're just playing tag all the time. Mm-hmm. Is their way to not be it. They just constantly make somebody else it. Sounds like there's a lot of insecurities in there. Oh, my goodness sakes. I, right. See, again, it boils down to do we really believe the message that God says about who we are? Now, notice, so God says to Adam and Eve, you're precious and perfect in my sight. I give you everything you could ever need. But the serpent said, no, really, there's something fundamentally wrong with you. And the instant they believe that, God says, okay, but your life is going to be way harder now. Your relationships are going to be harder. Your work is going to be harder. Everything's going to get harder. And people think, well, you know, God condemned them. And I said, no, it says, no, the Bible says you have been condemned. In other words, you have literally condemned yourself. Like if I'm talking to a couple who plays tank all the time and I'm trying to teach them how to break out of that and treat each other differently, they might think, we're going to keep playing no matter what. I'm going to say, okay. But you need to understand that condemns you to the relationship you're in right now. And to the life you're living Ouch. right now and all the struggles you're having right now. You yeah. need to understand, I'm not saying I condemn you. I'm saying your decision condemns you. Like, this will be really hard for you. Your work will be harder. Your life will be harder. Mm-hmm. Just please understand, this will make your life harder, way harder. Same thing God told Adam and Eve. Yeah. Playing that game wow. will make your life way harder. I promise it. Yeah, Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. His book is Playing Tag, the world's most common game. We've got five copies to give away. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. Glenn, does a tag player, when they give a compliment or an affirmation, do they feel diminished? Yeah, which is why they don't why? do it. Well, see, this is the thing. Let's say I grew up in a tag playing family, so I just know in every conversation, one of us has to be it. That's just true. Well, if I praise you, or compliment you, or say something good you did, that means you're not in. <laughs> well... Oh, that's brutal. It's a suicide mission. It's <laughs> brutal. I'm not going to dig that. Yeah. And so you're not going to get a compliment or praise out of me. You're always just going to hear something that wasn't quite right. I, uh, I I gave a sermon at my church a while back, and it was really good. It was powerful. It was one of the best talks I ever gave. And lots of people said great stuff. So I'm, I don't mean it as a bragging sort of way. But the, um, the microphone did go out right in the middle of it just for a minute. And somebody came up to me and said, who's tag all the time, said, 
Hey, Glenn, I heard you tried to give a sermon, but the microphone went out. <laughs> that, oh, that's the one thing you had to say about that whole experience. Uh-huh. But see, there are people who just, just can't tell you anything good about yourself. Mm. What about gossip? Thank you. Gossip is just a way to play what I call team take. When me and you agree to talk about somebody else and make them the bad one. So me and you are on a quote-unquote team, even though really nobody's on my team. But we're just agreeing just for a moment, you know, that everything's Rosemary's fault. And as long as me and you can agree she's the bad one, Mm -hmm. that means me or you aren't. So we have this temporary little sort of truce or alliance (laughs) where we don't actually feel good about ourselves. We just know we're not the one that's really, really bad like her. I don't even know why we let her work here for crying out loud. I know. Right. I don't receive any of this, by the <laughs> way. I, <laughs> I don't receive any of it. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. All Let's right, talk you about must... that real quick, Glenn, because yeah. this is something I le- I've learned from her. Yeah. Is when she hears something that's just not true, mm-hmm. and it comes at her like a fiery dart, she right. says, I don't receive that. Thank you. How smart is that? I'm really smart, but she's always been really smart, so that's you got to give her oh, credit for that. Oh, and I do that. receive that. These oh, you. you guys are so smart. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> All right, Glenn, let's talk about uh, the positive side to tag. Let's talk, uh, I mean, the alternatives to tag. Okay, so let me let's just, start there. Yeah, great. Unless you got some closing thoughts on anything else. Nope, I think it's great. Um, so if we play passive tag, we're not present. So I'm either gone literally or I'm not present, like I'm dissociating or I'm real busy or I'm doing something else. So one alternative to tag is to literally just be present. And I think it's not a fluke that every spiritual practice is really just a way to try and be present. So whether I'm praying, reading my Bible, listening for God's Word, doing discernment, walking through the woods and being one with nature, holding that little baby in my arms and just feeling such love for them. See, any of those things just help me be totally, absolutely present. And I just think it's the opposite of playing tag, where I literally try not to be here Mm -hmm. physically or emotionally. So. Mm -hmm. We need to understand every spiritual discipline, doesn't matter what you do, even if you're fasting. If you're fasting because you think, okay, now this way I don't have to focus on myself. I can more just listen for God's word. I can just really stay focused. Great. If you're fasting just to fast, well, it's not a spiritual practice because it's not going to bring you into the present. But if, if you do the, the spiritual practice you're doing because you really want to be present, well, that helps you take you out of the game. Because, see, in the present, I know what's true. I know God is all around me. I know I'm so blessed by his presence. I'm so grateful for all the gifts I've been given. I'm not defensive. I know there's nothing to defend. Mm-hmm. I'm perfect in God's sight, just as I'm created. Mm-hmm. So I can't get pulled into the game because I'm just not. I'm just literally not in the game. Yeah. Now, as we talk about alternatives, Ted, Glenn, yep. let me interject a few questions because yeah. I know you like questions. I love them. How do you quit the game and heal the hurts from playing this for years? Thank you. Um, it's really important to understand that all of us who are in recovery have played this for years. I mean, like decades probably. And we have some really, really ingrained habits. So those knee-jerk intensive reactions, I didn't burn the coffee, um, need to understand those are always going to be present, which leads me sort of to the second thing I want to talk about. So it's great if that's okay. The best way to break out of that is to become what I call a second responder. Some people think, well, Glenn, my goal is to not have that knee-jerk reaction in the first place where I want to defend myself or explain or blah, blah, blah. And I think, see, I don't think we're going to get there. I think those thoughts are so grooved into our neural pathways that they were just always going to be there. But what we can do is we can get better and better being what I call a second responder. So if I'm in a conflict with somebody and they say some sort of harsh statement, you're going to see me pause Look up to the left when me and God have a little prayer moment, thinking about a better thing to say, and then I sort of come back in the room and say that. And um, and so 
The short answer to the question, how do I break out of the game, is to use what I believe is the most concrete form of freedom in Christ. I have freedom in Christ to stop in that moment, ask God for a better answer, give that better answer that comes from the place where me and God are connected. So how do I break out of the game? I don't. I am stuck in that game for life. I'm a human being. Human being. I'm going to have those knee-jerk reactions all the time. But what I can do is learn how to get better and better at letting God be my partner. And when the Bible talks about, you know, taking every thought captive, I think this is what they mean. Slow down, see that bad thought, think, yep, I have that thought, but I don't have to go there. Ask God to literally give me a better thought, a better idea, a better way of thinking about that other person who's also precious to God, and then say that. And that takes three or four seconds, but it saves the two-hour bad argument we would have had after that. So, <laughs> What happens, though, when something is said and you're triggered and your brain reacts in point eight tenths of a second, now you're <laughs> yep. flooded? Yep, exactly. At that moment, I really understand this. When we have that much adrenaline in our system, we're not really thinking. And so we need to excuse ourselves in that conversation. That's when we need to take a break, take a time out, because when my brain is flooded, I won't be able to say any right thing. I mean, literally none. So I'm going to, if it's my wife, Gwen, she's going to go walk around because she has ADHD, so she needs to let it wear off. If it's me, I'm more sort of introverted and contemplative, so I'm going to have prayer time, and I'm going to ask God to remind me of how precious Gwen actually is to me and who she actually is in Christ. <sighs> until I can mm. come back to that conversation. But I but I really learned when I'm that flooded, there's literally nothing I can say that will be helpful. And everything I say will be harmful. Yeah. There are no exceptions. We want to make the most of our time with Glenn here and the remaining time we have. If you have a question for him, you can certainly send it over to 877-933-2484. We're talking about uh, the game Tag, which is uh, really an, a very unpleasant game. Really fun as a kid, really not fun as a grown-up. We've got five copies of his book, Playing Tag, and all you have to do to get in on the drawing is text the word book to 877-933-2484, and we'll uh, take your questions and also uh, have a drawing for one of five books that we've got from Glenn. We'll be right back. Back with Dr. Glenn Pickering. We're talking about his book, Playing Tag, and we've just opened up five more copies of the book, so now we've got ten to give away. I can't believe there's so many people wanting this book, and I we told Glenn that there's so many people wanting this book. So I've got my personal stash, so I'm going <laughs> to release some from my personal stash. I was going to say, I have two copies, too, Glenn. Well, that's nice. It's good to have groupies. I like it. All right, Glenn, let me ask you this. <laughs> You need to be clear, being judgmental is never helpful. Right. Talk about that. Well, over and over, the Bible says, do not judge lest you put a stumbling block in the path of your brother. We need to understand our judgment, even if we think we're being helpful, which of course is delusional, is not helpful. If somebody says to me, Glenn, you blah, 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 blah. See, I'm so busy defending myself that not only do I not learn to do it differently, I get more hardened in my way I am already because I've just spent five minutes convincing myself that my way is an okay way. Judging somebody else just gets them more rooted in whatever sin they're doing right now. 
the only thing that will actually help us change is when somebody loves us enough to say, hey, you know what? I have a problem a lot like that. Mm. It's been a burden to me. Here's kind of what I learned. And whether we're witnessing to others about our faith or we're going to AA, I mean, it doesn't matter. The only way we can actually help anybody else is to say, I've had a very similar struggle. Here's what I've learned. And here's the cool thing. We all have the same struggles. I, I know I talked about this on a different show, but it's just so true. We have all had very similar lessons to learn when we're on earth, very similar struggles that we're going to go through as we learn those lessons. So if I see somebody struggling and just take five seconds to think, when have I had a struggle like that? The answer will come to me <laughs> in a flash. And then I get to say, boy, I've had a very similar struggle. Here's kind of what I learned about that. And then I have to stop talking. Yeah, you say judgment never leads to transformative change. Right, exactly. But love does. Love does. Being understood changes us. See, when I'm in my prayer time with God, and I can just feel his gentle love for me all around me, I want so bad to be as good a person as he already thinks I am. You know, it's being loved as we are that makes us so powerfully want to be our best self. Mm -hmm. Being judged just shoves us farther in the corner. Yeah. You say criticism does not lead to transformation. In fact, it's a stumbling block and a hindrance to that process. On the other hand, lifting up a friend's 90% always leads to change, rapid change. Right. See, when we're surrounded by people who think we're really great, you know what we want to be? We want to be really great. Honestly, any good coach, any good advisor, any good counselor, any good spouse, parent, friend, teacher, they really get this. If you want the people in your life to start becoming their best self, you have to see their best self. You have to believe in their best self. You have to lift up their best self. And we have to be that. So in the game of Tay, we're always looking for what people do wrong, but see if we're really lifting up our Christian brothers and sisters and we really want them to have the most powerful Christ-like life they can have, then we help them see their gifts. We encourage them to use those gifts. We tell them just everything we see about them that's good and right, just like it says in Philippians 4, whatever is right or good or worthy of praise, think about these things. Talk to your friends about those things. Yeah, we don't grow in our faith by eliminating our problems. No, we don't. See, all that happens is, let's say somebody says, Glenn, you have three problems. And I say, okay, I'll eliminate those three problems. That doesn't create happiness for me. It eliminates the source of unhappiness. But it doesn't make me happy. And it doesn't make me a better witness. Let's say I think, oh, you know, a lot of times when I talk to people about uh, my faith at first, I kind of stutter. So I think I'm just going to stop talking to people. Well, that eliminates my stuttering problem. But how is that helpful to them? How am I going to do ministry? Who's going to hear my story? That I mean... Eliminating my problems does not help me as a person, and it certainly doesn't help me do ministry. All right, Glenn, I'm going to. Uh, we, we don't have a lot of time left, so I'm going to hit you with one of the toughies out of your book. Okay. <laughs> yeah, lay it on me. I think this is really, really strong, and there's going to be a lot of people that are going to go, whoa, 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 slow down, say more. And you say, to not ask for what you want is selfish and disobedient. Right, exactly. Because here's the Talk thing. about that. Well, Jesus says in Matthew 7, ask and it shall be given unto you. Period. It doesn't say, but only if it's the right thing, only if it's been approved by the panel at the church. No. Ask for what you want, and it shall be given unto you. Now notice, ask for what you want. Well, who gave you those wants? If we're talking about the things that we with our whole heart want, well, guess who gave us those wants? See, we need to understand, God is always inviting us into our partnership. So he gives us powerful wantings. Then it's our job to ask God's help with that wantings. Then God comes alongside us and makes that possible. And then it's up to us to use that possibility to make it real. There's always this back and forth between us and God moving in a forward direction, which is why we have to be willing to ask for what we want. Otherwise, the whole process stops. 
So when we're in this relationship or this friendship, Glenn, and I right. say, uh, Glenn, as my friend, I need you to make sure you're picking me up one hour before the game so we're there on time. Okay. I, I'm not being, I'm not. Look, well, let's say your, your person is anxious because I might say a similar thing. I'm not going to say, you have to pick me up. I'm going to say, you know, um, I get really anxious. And so if you could pick me up an hour early, that'd be really great for me. Is that okay with you? Mm-hmm. And the other person's probably going to think, what? Now, if I don't okay. say anything to you and you pick me up 15 minutes before and then parking's terrible and we get there late. Right. And I'm, I'm mad when we start. Right. I, um, so, some friend of mine wrote in just uh, texted me just a few days ago. Said, "Glenn, I will love this one part of your book." He said it was about people who don't ask for what they want, and they're all bitter and resentful that they don't get what they want. I think, right? So the outcome of asking for what we want is always multiple blessings. The ultimate, the ultimate consequence of not asking is I end up bitter and resentful because I don't get what I want. It's crazy, and then I'm mad at other people for not giving it to me, except they don't even know what I want. So you need to feel good about asking for what you want. Right. Now, notice asking is not the same as demanding. Right. So I don't say that. You have to pick me up early. I say, hey, you know, I get really anxious. So if we can go an hour early, that'd be great. Is that okay with you? Say, I invite you into a loving conversation with me about if that's all right with you. Mm-hmm. I don't demand. I don't push you. I just ask. So what about connecting with people and sharing the struggle that you both have? Right. Here's a really cool thing. Because we're all on a very similar path, whether we get it or not, what will happen out of that sharing the struggle is they're going to think, oh, yeah, I've had a struggle like that too, or maybe I'm right now, or I'm not right now, but I can sure see when my kid leaves that I'm going to have that same problem. There's a connection there, and there's a reason why every time Jesus heals somebody physically, his first thing is to send them back into community, back to their family, back to where they live, back to their home, because really what God cares most about are the relationships we have and to be connected to God and to other people. So we need to understand the reason we share our struggles is that that's where we connect and God is all about creating those connections. Mm-hmm. Glenn, we spend a lot of a, a lot of time in a struggle between love and fear, don't we? Oh my goodness sakes. Yeah, there are people who talk about this world as a struggle between good and evil. And Which I understand is. that. Yeah. Those, those exist. Yeah. But they're actually second. If I choose love, I will do good stuff. If I choose fear, I will always do stuff that's actually hurtful. That's, I got to pause and think about that. That's yeah. really strong. Yeah, and true, painfully true. Mm-hmm. As soon as I get scared, I'm only thinking about myself, and people are only thinking about themselves. I'm very hurtful to the people around them. Mm-hmm. So there's several people that probably are thinking, I'm playing tag and I've just been called out. Uh-huh. Now, yes. how do I communicate to this other person I've been playing tag with that we can maybe improve how we do this right. if we stop playing tag? I'm going to say, hey, I heard this really great thing. I think you might think it's fun, too. I can see how each of us have been sort of playing this little game that Glenn calls tag, and I would love for us to figure out how we could do that differently together. Are you up for that? We, we, me and you, us, what do you think? All the way along. So there's no judgment. There's no condemnation. There's no, see, you've been doing this all along. See, that's not going to break out of the game of tag. That is the game of tag. We're playing tag, and it's all your fault. (laughs) So I have to be, just like Jesus said, I have to start with acknowledging that I've been part of that. I totally see that. And then I invite the other person into finding a way to do that differently with me. Glenn, it sounds like one of the things we need to do is share real information about ourselves. Oh my gosh, yes, to be vulnerable. Now people say, Glenn, if I'm vulnerable, I might get hurt. And I think, yep, you might. But if you're invulnerable, you get hurt for sure. You live a life of loneliness. You know what the worst thing we can do to somebody in jail? Put them in solitary confinement. (laughs) So you need to understand. 
Yes, if you're vulnerable, you might get hurt. If you're not, you get hurt for sure. Those are your two choices. Mm-hmm. Dr. Glenn Pickering has been my guest. You go to glennpickering.com. You can learn more about Glenn and his services and his seminars, and you can also um, get a free copy uh, of his electronic book on tag, right? Yes, in fact, it is. Yeah. Is it? Is it not the full copy of the book, No, right? no, it's, it's a, a, actually, it's a totally... Um, it's a totally new thing that I wrote for all audiences. So this is a free download. Yep, free download. And the book we're talking about today, the one I have in my hand, yep. uh, we've made 10 copies available. So right. if you want to get in on the drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. And you can also go to glennpickering.com. And he has this lovely invitation that if you would like 20 minutes of his time, at uh, free of charge, he would be more than happy to talk to. You. As a matter of fact, he says to me off uh, microphone, he loves it. So there you go. Hmm. And so glennpickering.com and 877-933-2484. Text the word book, nothing else, just four letters, B-O-O-K, that's it. That wraps up our show. I'm so glad that I had a little time with Patrick today to get things started. If we had some laughs and the Monday afternoon mix, I thought Rosie was exceptionally good today as always. Pastor David Miles and a full hour with Dr. Glenn Pickering and his book, Playing Tag, the world's most common game. Have a great night, everyone. I'm looking forward to our time tomorrow. Sleep well. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.